You know what our goal was when we started doing this? We we did when we started Knox Unplugged, we started just with like, okay, hey, let's just record these and you know, and put them out there and I don't think we were taking it serious. We were just kind of like, hey, we're going to have these conversations anyway. Let's just record them and put them out there and see what they do. And I remember that. Yeah. And this year, last year, around this time, I think it was like right around this time or in November of last year, we said, hey, why don't we take it seriously and not just do these like random days when we have time and set aside a time to actually record Knox Unplug every week. And our goal was to get through 54, 50, something like that. It was, yeah, f- I think it was 50, 50 in a year was f- the goal. That was the goal, was to do 50. Bro, I think we did it. Did we? <laughs> I, think we <laughs> I think we actually, we might have missed a few weeks here or there, um, holidays, um, family stuff, or out of town or something like that. But even out of town, I think we tried to hit twice out of town. Um, but, you know, it's been, I would have never expected to be where we currently are um, just with, you know, and I'm talking about mostly my growth spiritually and my understanding spiritually. I wouldn't have expected to be in this place. It made me think about, you know, this next year. What does it look like? What do we want to, where do we want to, I think, I don't know if I was telling you this, but um, I think last time, you know, I have perspective now as a man to say where I want to be in 10 years. Right. And I can actually say, I know how to get there now and I know what to do. Um, I can see why now men are more valuable at 50 than they are at 30 or a different type of value, higher value. Um, Because, you know, you still need young men for certain things and it's a different type of, but there's a certain wisdom that and kingship that comes at an age if you do the right things. <clears throat> right. that, that gives you a different type of value at, as you get older. And I'm realizing that. And I'm like, man, you know, like, where do we want to be at, um, you know, in a year from now, where do we want to take these conversations? What do we want to do with them? Those are just things I was like, man, we want to let's let's map that out and and kind of be intentional about it. Like, what does it take to do that? I, ca- I keep thinking of doing some sort of real event. You know, like a real, yeah. you know, an unplugged event with us. What does that look like? And, and how do we, you know, what kind of event is it, you know, that uh, we could do that would be that would be a, a model of what we're trying to, to make and then make something like we got to, you know, take yeah. all this and make something with it at the same time. I think it's taken us almost a year and a half just to produce the the worldview for it to sit in. The right. armature, you know, and then yeah, we created the salad bowl. Now we just got to make the salad. That's exactly right. I think we created the table. Now we got to create the bowl, and then we got to make the salad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably a better way to put it. You got a lot, and um, so uh, but you know, I was um, I guess we can. I don't know where to start it. To be honest with you, man, there's so much. I read the materials that you have. That you, what what are these? Are these sermons that you've written, or are these just thoughts that you've written down in an article, or There's, what? Uh, one was an article, uh, and then a couple of research papers, or what? And um, the article was also we it it was for 
uh, the back table at our church, we made sort of a pamphlet on on why we why we're celebrate why we use the church calendar to organize uh, our, our year, but also uh, our worship services. So mm. you know that's and that's that's a a question that you get every you only get in reform circles, right? People come in and they say, "Why is it that you have?" Um, you know, an epiphany service. Why do you, why would you um, let the church calendar uh, invade your Sunday morning worship? You get that from some of the um, folks on the, I don't, I don't want to say the strict end of things because I consider myself a pretty strict um pretty strict when it comes to the worship and what, how you, what, what you do in a worship service, making sure it's biblical and, you know, but um, maybe you'd say people that have a, a, um, a particular view of the limitations, the, the, the scriptures as a limiting influence on, what we do in worship, like the regular on a Sunday morning, like yeah, yeah, the regular principle stuff. But I mean, I'm a regular principle guy. Um, but there's people that interpret the regulative principle in a um, staunchy kind of way, less than po- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just less, gonna say it. I'm less just gonna than say poetic, it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, maybe a less poetic way or a less historical way. Um, whereas I think the history, the history of the application of the scriptures to the organization of, of worship gives us a lot of, a lot of room or there's a lot of, of, uh, things that, that we can do in worship. Um, you know, but that it's a matter of coming before the Lord and renewing covenant with him. That's the central thing that you're doing, uh, in, and lifting up praise and then receiving his, receiving his presence, um, being in his presence, having his love, uh, over us renewed, you know, all of those things. Um, but th- th- the church has done that in a mo- in a number of different ways uh, throughout history, just like it did in, you know, a number of different ways throughout the old Testament. Um, and uh, so we put together a, here is why the church calendar, we, the, what, what aspects of the church calendar and why the church calendar um, is, it is something that we enjoy and and um, use for the organization of Bible readings on you know because we always on Sunday morning had a it was still a renewal service a, a covenant renewal service um, but you know and during Advent season we had Advent readings and during Christmas season we had Christmas readings and we had Epiphany Sunday and we had a Good Friday service and we have things like that so people would say um, Reform folks would say. Well, why do you do that? The tradition I come from doesn't use the church calendar, or the the worst on the worst end. Oh, the church calendar is is pagan or popish or you know different things like that. And it's just not. I mean, historically, it's not. So the defense of of the church calendar was one of the things they sent you. Um, well, that would- and it's not really a defense of the church calendar. It's more like. We love the church calendar. Here's something that's great that you have the freedom to use or not use, and we are deciding to use it. Um, so you know, we we do and we have Advent 
during during Advent, we have Advent readings. We use the Advent candle, you know, all those things in our church. And, and because where's the, where's the Advent candle it. in the Bible, Jason? Where is the Advent candle <laughs> in the Bible? Was that a real question? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, regular principle, man. But, but there's there's a lot of the use of candles, um, the use of you know fire to light the fire as a symbol of light and as well as just fire in the worship service, right? If you're going to go into the worship service in the tabernacle, there's that there's light somehow, right there. And we're told that there's lampstands, that there's lamps, that there's, so there's candles. And then there's been candles all throughout church. And some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, that's how you got light, right? So you lit a candle by the Bible so that you could have the light to read the Bible, um, uh, but the and but that but there's also ju- just the the lighting of lights, the lighting of candles that throughout history has been something that the church has done in the worship service um, as a way of of showing what it is that we're doing. Right, so it's it, it, there's a a deep poetic resonance between a between light and the scriptures between, you know, so you, but so reading scripture and lighting lights at the same time um, is a way of, of poetically displaying the things that God is telling us to do that we're doing in obedience to the Lord. So uh, don't we do that with light switches nowadays though? Yeah, we could do that way. I've been, I've been to a service. I went to a service where they handed out, Candles to everyone. There were little battery-operated candles. It wasn't as fun for the kids. It's so much fun to let to have real fire. Light. <laughs> yeah, to have real fire to give it. You know, uh, to give three-year-olds a candle and light it. I mean, it, the, what's more exciting than that? Yeah, um, especially when their hair catches on fire. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know, being in God's presence is—he's a—he is a, he's a uh, consuming fire. So little danger here and there. It, no, I, I um come from a charismatic background so we didn't do a whole lot of if anything holidays you know so holidays were were basically pagan holidays that christians have had that uh, are pagan holidays that christians have kind of taken over and worked around for themselves from pagans and put a little jesus on it sprinkled it on top uh, it's already i see jason getting very uncomfortable with just the way just that being said is driving him nuts already um it, it is <laughs> yeah it's you know there's a color oh. Okay. Should so, I answer that one now? Or no, 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 no. I think I think everything you're going to do is going to answer that. But I think for there isn't the Christian calendar. Maybe since you came in Presbyterian, the some of the traditions even in the PCUSA, even though they probably weren't observed, they were still traditions that were there that were never a part of um, me growing up as an evangelical, you know, charismatic, right. or even inside the evangelical church. With, with if anything, we would acknowledge that there was an Advent season somewhere that Christians were celebrating. This was going on, but we do this Christmas thing, and then we would have Good Friday. We would have, um, you know, Easter service. You know, we would the first time. And this was weird. The first time that I ever um, was introduced to like a, a some of a Christian calendar was when I went to a Christian Missionary Alliance church. And the yeah. only reason that they were interested is because the pastor 
was just kind of taking a deep dive into Catholicism, mostly to be the apologist oh, okay. for it. But he understood some of the richness that they had in the Christian calendar, and he would bring that into the church. And we were like, yeah, that sounds real Catholic. I'm cool. Um, and there was, you know, there's other things that evangelicals do where they make their own kind of traditions. He had this thing where we would go up, and there would be a cross up there on um, at the at the front of the church, and everybody would get in the line, and we all grab a hammer and hit a nail representing our sin. Um and it was, and I look back now. I'm like, what the heck were we doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that that I think that's a good example of something that I wouldn't have a problem with, but maybe not in a church service. But right. it might not be the best place to do that, right? Yeah. Like, because the church service gives it some put, putting it in a church service would probably lend people to thinking of, thinking of it as some sort of sacramental. Act, well, that's exactly right? how it was used. Yeah, absolutely. Because right. uh, it's and and we're gonna have sacraments. It's just a whether or not whether or not we get our sacraments from the Lord or we make up our own, right? We are gonna we are a sacramental people. We're a sacramental creature, and so there's no way to avoid having them. And one of the things that a church calendar and church in a historical liturgical setting does is it says here are the we we have set up the boundaries around these are the sacraments God has given us right baptism and the Lord's Supper those are the sacraments God has given us so those are the ones we keep and everything else is then we that gives us the freedom to do other things outside the service that are non-sacramental that are traditional poetic all all sorts of things um, without confusing them with the sacraments because we've we have we have a place and a time where the sacraments can be expected, right? And um, the the in the covenant renewal service. So, 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 so go ahead. I'll let you finish. Well, so so something you know, it, it's similar to like the pine cone in the fire at at a yeah. um, at, at a camp Christian camp. Right? Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that if it's out of the ordinary because you have the ordinary sacramental service right you've got an ordinary sacramental service so there is something what, wrong with it <laughs> yeah that is it, it, when it becomes a replacement you know um uh, god will often bless things that are additions to the normal means of grace that he will curse as replacements to the mm. normal means of grace mm. right so um you uh, and at you know taking a a rock and imagining uh, and throwing it into the ocean and imagining God, you know, taking your sins to the bottom and separating them and you that far, right? There's nothing wrong with that as an, as an action um, doing that instead of the baptism and the Lord's supper is going to cause some, it's going to cause some funk down the road, you know, to grow. Can I, can I push back on that a little bit? Because mm -hmm. I think it's hard for us to do both in and hold them in their proper place, which is why I don't know if we're commanded to, right? Because I think that people will find more meaning in a lot of ways with that rock being thrown into the ocean than, well, you know that that whole symbol, because God knows that you needed a symbol for that. Right. And so he created one <laughs> and gave but, it to you. So then why do you need to go do something he, other than what he's... Go ahead, yeah, tear me up. It's, it's, it's because... He he didn't just create one symbol. 
he created piles upon piles upon piles of symbols everywhere all of the time. He created two sacraments mm. that are given as covenant, uh, covenant establishment sacrament and a covenant renewal sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, those are specially set apart and it's not, they are, there is symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism, mm-hmm. but it's not the symbolism that makes it powerful. Right. It's the spirit's promised presence that In, makes the sacraments yeah. powerful. That's right. right? So, um, the, but so, the, sim, the the symbolism is everywhere, right? So you, you can, and you're not going to avoid it. No, avoid it. You, but I think that people are looking for what is in what you just said. With the the power is in the presence of the Spirit working through the sacraments, right? Um, yeah, people are expecting that same sort of working in almost all symbolism, though. Right, but I think it's because we are because the Enlightenment is a mere memorialist set has a mere memorialist sacramentology, right? So um, they look at the sacraments and they say the sacraments are powerful because it reminds us of something, right? It, that it's a, mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. because of what it does in our head, that's what makes it powerful. And so then we look and there's a bunch of other things that also do stuff in our head. And so then we say the world is, sacramental there's a sacramental character to the whole world and um and i i get what people are trying to say right that that there are things that the sacraments do that other things do also um right you can if if you um you know but god hasn't promised to be present with grace and power and to renew the covenant and to you know, be he hasn't promised to be present in a transformative way anywhere except for in the sacraments and the preaching of the word, right? That those are the means of grace where he's promised here. I will meet you now. He, in a special way. Now he's promised to be with us everywhere. And then he's filled the world Mm. with theomorphic symbolism where he, you know, uh, you go out and you, you see, you know, um, a sunrise and you're reminded that God's grace is new every morning, right? Cause he, he, God tells us my grace is new every morning. You see, uh, you see the, the stars and you're reminded of God's, uh, bigness and his power. Um, and, but you're also, you know, you see the sun and you see the way the sun keeps coming up and it keeps, I mean, every, everything is made of, this is made of and by the sun, all of our food, everything. It's, it's all sun energy that God has built a world and such that the sun energy can be deposited up and then we can take it in. Right. Mm. So we, we eat sun energy because we eat things that eat things made of sunlight. There's a right? sermon so there. There's a sermon there. There I is know. right. Yeah, yeah. There, there's this, there is, um, but it's a sermon that God is preaching every day. Right. And so when we hear, those when when we hear the word, um, it, we, when we hear the word that things are made of, in that moment, it's powerful in a in a particular way, and it can be powerful in a transformative way. God has promised to meet us in the word and sacraments, right? So we can do we can go there and do that by faith um, every Sunday, whether we're feeling it, not feeling it, whatever. We know God is meeting us, regardless. And he's, yeah. Regardless, he's he's he is pouring his grace onto and into us 
uh, via the the bread and the wine. So, um, and the the whole act of uh, sacramental worship service. So, um, the this path. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't want you to lose that thought. I was just yeah. Well, so it so it frees us to enjoy, appreciate, and receive the symbolism. But symbolism acts on us in a partic- in a different sort of way than sacraments act on us. Oh, sacraments also act on us in a symbolic way, and a lot of other things do that too. And that's usually what people mean when they say creation is sacramental: is that that symbolic aspect that the sacraments in that act upon us in that symbolic way. That other things do that too, but there's actually something more to the sacraments that is the promised presence of the Holy Spirit communicating Christ's life to us through them, um, that, that the rest of the creation doesn't do. Okay. Put a pin in that because I think we're going to come back to that. Um, that is, I've realized over this particular Christmas season, I'm going through Advent. Um, we've started going through Advent since we've been out here in Moscow, but I'm going through Advent now and I'm realizing just how pagan the rest of the year is for me not even knowing or should I say um, the absence of Christian thinking about the seasons where summer yeah. is summer instead of you know um, a, a, a Christian feast right in festivals like I don't I'm not thinking of it as Trinity season right as I should be thinking about summer as Trinity season I'm thinking about summer is like the kids don't have to go to school and we get a break and you know other things um, my and I'm only thinking about this because of uh, it got rest you Mary Doug starts working through and kind of is there a denosticizes can we say that is it? I think so. Yeah. Denosticize. Yeah. I mean, we got a we got a Germanic root language. We can we can make up words as we go. I'm 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 a I'm a rapper yeah. too, so I, I like I, right. I'm with that. Instead, and you make up words by just taking other words and pushing them. That's together. right. That's right. Germanic <laughs> vocabularies. And he basically denosticizes you by saying that the the calendar marks off who you are. And so, and I started thinking about this, Jason, and I was like, wait a second. When I think of calendar, I think of a page that has January through December, seven days in, in, in a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I think of days on that calendar, um, you know, first of, 4th of July, Christmas, kid's birthday, Easter, um, summertime, whatever. I think of that and I'm just like, wait a second, the calendar that I think of is actually a depiction of what's happening in space and time with planets. <laughs> it, it took, it, it's like, wait a second. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And, it, and it hit me that, wait, the planets don't belong to, they're not just out there doing something that's unordered. They're ordered in a particular way to guide us and to teach us and disciple us and to mature us. And instead of going on kind of like this journey, just like let, letting this calendar, oh, I put a little date here on this calendar, thinking a lot deeper and richer about what's actually going on behind this particular page. And Christmas has kind of been that season, like Advent, like what's going on? I think it was St. Clair Ferguson in his book that he has on Christmas that pointed out that what Christ has done was what you see in Matthew is a retelling of the Genesis story. Yeah, it is. Gen- a re- 
it's called a recapitulation. 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 Well, recapitulation, where you work through the story again with new characters. Uh oh. Okay. When I started seeing that, I was like, oh, wait a second. Then we have new heavens, new earth, you know, all these new. And so this is just, this is all happening to me at once. And then I started thinking, you know, um, there, I'm currently in a bat about between um, Hebrew Israelites and um, they have some crazy stuff. But one of the things they pound evangelicals on is the fact that they worship on Sunday instead of Saturday. And that's the real Sabbath is on Saturday. And, yeah. I, and so um, it made me so the calendar is super important to talk about this and what Christ has done in the resurrection that points to something quite different of since we're creating a new world. I think it's Hebrews 10, four that talks about 410, that's yeah, my dyslexia yeah. popping in. <laughs> um, it's in there. It is. <laughs> um, that Christ being like his father, he rested um, after his, after work. he, after he completed his, his work. work. Yeah. Right. After so, his work was yeah, there. There remains, there remains a Sabaoth a rest for the people of God um, because after Christ finished his work, he rested, but he rested on Sunday. Right. That's why, that's why. So the church has met since the apostles, they've met on Sunday morning um, for church. So even the 40 um, days with Christ, they met. Yep. They met on Sunday. Right. So the, and they, Jews, right. (laughs) So the fa- so the fact that every time it's like here this here is the church gathered, it's on the first day of the week. It it actually tells us something backwards because we're told um, that so long as this world exists, God's people will meet on Saturday, right? So mm. the fact that Jesus then says, "Hey, well, now we meet on Sunday," it means it's a new world, right? It's a new that something significant enough to dislodge the authority of the sun, the moon, and the stars has happened. Right. So, so oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you, so it's like, like, oh, oh, hold on. I get it. This is happening. The whole death and resurrection is the old world dying. Christ's death and resurrection is death yeah. of the old world, period. Hands down. Like the world, it's yeah. over. It's wrapped. Right, because he, so he, he recreated everything, the entire cosmos, in three days rather than six days in his, when he was in the tomb, that's what he was busy doing. Preach preacher. Come on now. Then he rested from his labors Sunday morning in the resurrection. So they begin, they, they gather, we gather to celebrate the resurrection. uh, So in then, um, and then the, the church. So we're celebrating his work. Because we're celebrating, we're celebrating his, work. his work, right? We're 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 resting with we're resting in Christ, who's now seated in the heavenly places. I feel so right? dumb. Well, what used to be seated in the heavenly places, the sun, the moon, and the stars used to be seated in the heavenly places. Now Christ is the one seated there. He's the one that has that authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He he holds the the seven wandering planets in his right hand. That's, that's how we knew that's, it's all the, the, those are all calendar issues, right? So 
um, the in in the old heavens and the old earth, the calendar was the authority to set the calendar was given to the sun, the moon, and the stars on the fourth day, and it remained there until Jesus. I think he received it all. Um, they was gladly handed over by the sun, the moon, and the stars. I don't think that he had to. Uh, you know, there were there were authorities that he had to bind and and take their authority. Then there are other authorities that handed their authority over gladly. So I think the sun, the moon, and the stars, the planets, handed their authority over gladly. And um, that's why now in the doxology, well, we know they did, right? Because they showed up and rejoiced with the shepherds, right? They said that Christmas has all sorts of stars showing up and saying, guess what? The time is finally coming where we're not going to be in charge anymore. We're handing it all over to, to Jesus. The stars bring the wise men who would have been astrologers, right? That That's the word that is used to describe the wise men. It's, they are sun, moon, star experts. And a star shows up and says, hey, you know, all of this authority that you're, that you are studying, right? The, um, the, the planetary influences, the influences of the different, um, the, the, the different sections of the sky on, on us, uh, the influence of the sun and the moon, all of that, all of that is being handed over to the rightful king of Israel, the rightful son of David. So he guides them over and they bring gold, incense, and myrrh um, to say, hey, you're, we have, we, our eyes have been up on the stars, but the stars have now told us to shift our eyes to you, right? So, Which is what and then stars supposed thing, to do. Stars supposed to do, right? The same thing happens with the shepherds. The, the, the stars come down, the, the host of heaven, right? The, the, um, they come down, which is, are the stars, they, and they sing uh, the praises. I mean, it doesn't say they sing, but I can't imagine them not singing. And I'm sure whatever language they speak would sound like song to us anyway. That's what they're doing right but, now. Yeah, exactly, right? So they, um, and they tell the shepherds, all of he's he's here to come get the authority. Now it, it takes him thirty three years to accomplish everything that he needs to to take it um, to receive it. So he takes, but in the earthly authority, the authority under the under the moon, under the the rule of Adam that has been handed off to uh, the, the devil and his Wait, why did minions. You, why'd you say the moon? Why'd you say under the moon? You said the moon for a uh, yeah. Un, so you've got. The the heavenly sphere, you know, starts is the moon and up, right? And everything the moon and up is is a particular sphere of authority on the fourth day that's set, and then everything below it was was Adam's authority, right? But he was but there was an authority and a heavenly authority that was established that Adam wasn't given dominion over at the time, right? So there was he he was under the rule and reign of the sun, moon, and the stars. But we're told that they were, uh, that they were there to disciple him towards his, his taking of authority, right? They were his tutors. The, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars have been tutors along with certain other angels. Um, where, but Where were we told that at? What, what would you point to to say like? Um, what is it? Galatians? Um, Sorry to do. I just, it's just. No, no, that's that's, that's okay. It's this is this is what we're doing. Uh, 
Galatians 3? I don't know. Let's see. Um, yeah, I wasn't ready for this. Sorry. Question, I know. Well, that's I know. Okay. Um, we weren't, you're usually not ready for any show that we do. So I don't know. You just well, I know. Yeah. This, <laughs> um, yeah. This, this time I actually knew what we were going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, Me too. And I still don't know yeah. how we got off here. <laughs> um, so. Oh, wow. Galatians 3.24. Oh, I was close. All right. So in Galatians three twenty four, it says, "Therefore, um, you've got the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, and then um, you have, let's see, uh, you have uh, so." Uh, Acts then at you got Acts seven fifty three as well. Um, the the uh, law um, was given by angels. Uh, the uh, in, in Galatians three, um, you've got uh, angels in the Old Testament um, having a, a, a mediatorial role under the law. Um, a guidance role until the seed would come. Um, the, uh, then uh, Hebrews 2, um, you had a- a- angels um, being uh, a mouthpiece to deliver the word of God um, at times. Uh, so in, you know, like uh, you would have, angels being the ones who delivered the word of God to the prophets, you know, on, on behalf of God, you have that in a number of different uh, stories surrounding prophets. Um, but here it seems to be that all that, that, that was a role always fulfilled by angels. So God would send an angel to the prophet to, with the word. And, um, so are you- and, you know, at times they would get, they would get caught up in their delivery system by, the fights they had to have with uh, demons to get through to deliver the word, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, well, I don't know. Um. <laughs> so, so the the angels played a significant role, but in the law, um, the they were told when you want to know what time of year it is, what it is you're supposed to do. They the the moon was the particular uh, authority over Israel uh, for the calendar, right? They had a lunar calendar. They had a moon-based calendar. They had to count new moons and full moons in order to know what time of the year, um, what time of year, which festival they were supposed to celebrate. Um, I mean, they they had a zodiac as well, so they knew what month they were in. Uh, and so that that lined up, but then which moon, wh- um, which moon they were under is the one that they had to count. I mean, we still have 
a system, a moon system, but we don't, we don't use it anymore. So, um, so but if you get like, you know, an, an almanac, um, it still will say, oh, you're under the wolf moon, you're under the strawberry moon, you're under this, you know, the moons are still named in the same sort of way they were in the Old Testament, because that's also a part of the system of pl- planting and plowing and, and all of that as well. So so then what also being under the moon, would that also be how you count days as far as evening and morning? So then the moon is the one that's ruling the beginning of the day? No, the day, the day is... Um, is a sun-based okay. time slot, so it's the evening. It's a, a time of light and a time of ah, darkness. Okay, right, and there's no, there's nothing besides counting sunrises and sunsets that gets you what day it is, right? So um, mm. you know what month it is. So there's an astrological aspect to the month as well as a lunar aspect to the month, and so that's the difference between a solar year so the romans imperial western imperial powers tended to have solar calendars um that you have lunar calendars in asian imperial powers um and then you uh, middle eastern calendars were lunar um and so that's why you have that's one of the reasons you have the conflicts that you have between the jews and the romans is you've got a, a an imperial calendar um, and you ha- that is solar, and then a religious calendar that's lunar, and it causes all sorts of troubles. You even see when they're when they go to say we have to get these people off the cross because a high Sabbath is coming, and we've got to, and, and you can't have people hanging on the cross on a high Sabbath. That's a lunar the the uh, the the Passover is a lunar it, because the Passover is lunar. It's not going to match up with the calendar of Rome. Which um, wasn't, which was a solar calendar, and so it it's going to cause all sorts of problems. I mean, that's why it's it's the same reason you have the um, you know oct- the tenth month of the year named October, which means eighth month of the year, <laughs> right? Oct mm-hmm. means eighth, mm-hmm. oct, but October means tenth month. So because you've got um, you've got this strange overlapping imperialistic calendar that's solar that's all based on counting sun moons and sunrises and then it ends up interacting and trying to be combined with an astrological lunar calendar and so they end up adding um, July in to honor Julius Caesar and August to honor Caesar Augustus and they just push the 10th month and the, the eighth month of the year just gets pushed to the 10th month. Um, so the, but it, but the reason it's all important is because your calendar tells you who you are. Right. And um, the, so you couldn't just, the, the one thing that would guarantee a revolt would be to try and, you know, move, let's say Passover say, well, we want you to have Passover on this day instead of that day. you, you would have a revolt on your hands. I mean, they tried to put up a Roman Eagle in the, in the temple and they had a revolt because you can't have, um, you, you can't have, you, we don't worship images. They put up an image of the Roman empire in the temple and people freaked the, the, the people of Jerusalem ran in, tore it down, melted it. And then they went back to their daily lives. They're like, look, you can, there are things that you can't touch. 
and the calendar would have been is one of them. It's just you know, one of the things you can't touch. So so then there is this ma- there's a massive problem then with us putting American flags inside of our churches and then <laughs> yeah. and yes. then having Absolutely. 4th of July services as a you know that is a massive problem then. You can have a 4th of July service just not a sacramental service. And I would say that you shouldn't have it probably in the sanctuary, but that's another debate altogether in terms of. I don't think it's a debate. I don't think it's a debate. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, do you have the freedom to use the sanctuary for other things besides sacramental services? That's a, that's a long, I think ongoing debate that I think we should be discussing. I'm a charismatic old. Now you don't run on a platform, baby. You know, I'm Right, you, t- you take your hat off. Yeah, you know, when but, you come in, all those things. I, I, I am in. I, I'm in favor of all those things, but f- not f- f- because uh, I think there's a law prohibiting yeah. the use of a sanctuary for something else. But I think it is wise, and it's wisdom that we should be learning from the law. But I don't think the New Test. I, I think the New Testament says now all this place is holy space. Right, we don't. This entire planet is the holy of holies now. Yeah. Right. So, whereas before you had, you, um, so we set apart a particular space based on the authority that God has given the church for um, every time a call to worship happens, and it, um, and I do think that you end up having the gospel soak into the furniture and the gospel soak into a space and all of that um, over time. But any place the people of God are gathered and they want to have a sacramental service, all they need is a call to worship. Yeah. Um, and yeah. They can, I they can do it. That. So, um, but at the same time, I think it's wise to protect spaces um, from civic encroachment, especially in our day to protect spaces from civic encroachment. And so that's why I think in our day, having a 4th of July service wouldn't be wise yeah. in the sanctuary. Now I, there, I know of a particular uh, town that on the 4th of July, all of the pastors gather on the steps of city hall and they lead a prayer service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's fancy. That's a fantastic that's idea. They don't yeah. do the, they don't do the sacraments, right? A prayer service is something different. And, and we don't have, we don't make those distinctions. Well, you know, a homily versus a servant and all of that. The yeah. Way we should. So I still have a, I still have a charismatic bent where it's like, you know, I just want y'all to know that people been killed for less. So yeah. uh, be careful about oh, how yeah. you treat God's place, you know, and I, I, get, we, I know I can, I'm with you on all the reasons. And yet I think that there's a lack of reverence in our culture that we've completely lost. And right. For, but I, I, it's, you can't get it. You can't get to it externally though. And that, I think that's always the difficulty is you want to get to it, but you want to get to it by making it beautiful. And sure. changing people's hearts and minds, and and um, and the law doesn't do that. So, but uh, but I'm with you on the goal. It's just always a matter of how do you. I mean, I, it the, in the '90s there was a huge move to take all the old furniture out of sanctuaries and replace it with couches, new hipper hipper furniture. Yeah, and uh, I remember walking up to an old beautiful. Uh, old Presbyterian church, a couple hundred, uh, hundred year old Presbyterian church and seeing all the pews and the old, it was a beautiful old hand. It looked like a hand carved 
uh, pulpit and it, it um, had a matching um, table for the Lord's Supper and it was sitting out in the rain. And I was like, there's a spiritual problem on display here. And you don't <laughs> fix it by just putting that stuff back in, right? You got to, the, the, but uh, when the spiritual problem is fixed, they will regret um, having gotten rid of the gospel soaked, all of that gospel soaked wood. Symbol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how do you know when you look at um, the way that we look at calendars now versus no one really pays attention to a Christian calendar? Churches, most evangelical churches, don't even acknowledge it. How do. Um, maybe, and I think it's not because of we're, it's intentional. I just think we don't know. So yeah. how, how do yeah, there's, there's a lot of ignorance. It's, it's, you know, it's like when they come out of exile and they look around and they say, okay, Oh, we, we rebuilt. Does anybody know how to run a service in this temple? Right. <laughs> and they were like, Nope, nobody does. And then somebody was like, well, there's always that weird dude. That's always hanging out in the library. Ezra, does somebody want to go get him and they go get him. And they say, hey, Ezra, we need to restart the worship service. And he says, perfect. I've spent the last 20 years um, prepping for this moment. And so then he comes back, and he's the one that has the knowledge to restart the worship services. But it still takes a generation to get the worship services running again. What, how do we, um, you know, when you start looking at this, you know, where do you, where do you start from? You sent me stuff on creation. You sent me stuff on how we get the church calendar, why we have the church calendar. Where do we start developing how we need to look at this. And then, which is really weird. So it's kind of these three parts. How do we navigate what the planets are trying to disciple us to? What are they trying to teach us? And when we get it, there should be this maturity that we've come to where we don't, where we use it only to get us to a particular place like training wheels. And then we create after that. So kind of walk me through from how do we get it? I know how do big, we? I, that's a big yeah, question. How do we? How do we get it back? Well, I mean, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So um, you know the song "Crown," uh, "Crown," "Crown Him with Many Crowns." Yeah, this beautiful old hymn, and there one of the verses that often gets dropped is "Crown Him the Lord of Time." Um, crown Him the Lord of Time. Um, so that that's what we're talking about. What does it mean that Christ is the the potentate of time that he's, he's the ruler. He's the king of history um, as well. And then we, as his representatives, what does it look like for us to then form our, our experience of time purposefully into a, uh, into a shape that reflects the work of Mm, our king, right? mm. That reflects the rule of our king. So, um, there's, there's multiple, so he, he is the, the Lord of our families where he's the husband of husbands, the father of fathers, he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the pastor of pastors. He's the, the, um, overseer of overseers in the church. Uh, so he is the King of each institution and each institution has a responsibility to form its use of the calendar according to his mm. rule and reign. Well, and I think that's under where, the calendar, right? Right. Uh, um, But each of them have their own calendar. So we're not trying to come up with a single idealized calendar for everything. Mm. Right. 
we've each each institution has the job of saying uh, my part of my jurisdiction is the calendar. Now that's not something that we that anyone had jurisdiction over in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the sun, the moon, and the stars had that jurisdiction. But we've been placed seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're told specifically we're not under the elements of the old world, such as the calendar. Right um, in uh, uh, Galatians four, it says you're not under the old heavens and the old earth, or you're not under the elements of the old creation. They've they've been burned up with fire. That's why you decide your the your, the use of the calendar. Right, you you have. The church has the authority to set its own calendar. The church didn't set its own calendar. The Old Testament, they got the authority. They the 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 sun, the moon, and the stars had the authority, and then the law gave them the specifics of what it is that they were supposed to do in terms of the overarching calendar, the the weekly calendar, the Sabbath calendar. What do you do each week in worship? And then what do you do throughout the year? How do you form the whole year? And, the, and they went through a series of festivals. Uh, and, and some of them were long. Some of them were single day. They were, so they, they had, so we look at, we should look at that and say, okay, that's our job now. That's our, our, we're the ones with the jurisdiction to now do what the sun, the moon, and the stars did in the Old Testament, which is set a weekly calendar so um, uh, that is you know, uh, uh, surrounding the work and rest, right? And then to set an overarching calendar that uh, reflects the that memorializes the work of God, because that's what the uh, the um, for the church that memorializes the work of God, and then a civic calendar. Um, that is also um, memorializing the the civil work of God, right? The civic blessings. So even in the Old Testament, they had a layered calendar. They did. It was there were religious and non-religious festivals. Religious meaning they involved a specific um, memorial about a, a salvation that God had brought, and then civic calendar that had to do with um, the harvests had, and had to do with the seasons of the year and had to do with the, so the civic life of the people. Um, and you even have a civic, uh, you have Hanukkah added as a civic calendar between the, the close of the Old Testament and, and the opening of the New. And Jesus goes to the Hanukkah festival and he says, that's where he, he's at a Hanukkah festival when he says, I am the light of the world, right? So this the festival of lights, he says, that was established as a civic holiday between the close of the Old Testament canon and the open of the New Testament canon. Jesus goes to that festival and he says, this festival is pointing to me too. And it was established by the civic authorities without um, it because it, it, it's not a um, it, it, it's not a religious uh, so some of this, I think, comes down to we have we have conflated our lives down to single jurisdictions, or we're always looking for one authority instead overall, of, instead of overlapping authorities, instead of overlapping authorities. So um, having a civic authority um, 
you know, a political authority as well as a religious authority in our life that are both real, that both keep one another in check and don't have authority over one another, but both have authority over us. Um, you mean like, com- a, you mean like a Trinitarian world or something? Yeah, exactly. It's complex, but it's, it's beautiful when it's all functioning and it, it, it is, it holds um, each authority in check when it's not functioning well. Right. So, and um, this is something that we've seen. We've seen the problem of what do you do when this isn't functioning? This that's been brought to the front by COVID, right? When the civil government says, "Hey, you can't meet anymore," the church, um, you know, the, uh, Leviticus gives a certain amount of of authority to the civil government to protect us from diseases, but it's very limited. And when uh, when it, they step over the the bounds of that civic authority that's given by God, the church should have responded. This is our responsibility, not yours. And then each family has a responsibility to the jurisdiction to keep itself safe as well. And and that you're overstepping your bounds by trying to tell us what our calendar is, right? That's our calendars. You know, um, I really like the way our pastor said it is he said, Jesus hasn't given us permission to stop meeting on Sundays. Um, and so we're going to keep doing it because that's our, that's, that's the center of our job is to keep this particular calendar of worship running. So um, it's a, there's a layered authority that God has put into the world. And then Jesus is the head of each of those institutions. And so they each have the authority to set a calendar that's supposed to reflect the rule of Christ over their institution. And they should, so be, the, they should be able to yeah. do this fairly well because they've been discipled by sun, moon and star already. Right. Like that's one of the things right. that we look at in the old Testament is that we have a, this is what you were getting at earlier. We were talking about the angels who brought the law that we have a, a, you know, a schoolmaster um, to teach us and to bring us into righteousness so that we learn properly and then to be able to apply that wisdom that we've learned. Right. And so it brings us to a point of maturity. And then you take off the training wheels and then you're able to yeah. operate within the same direction that the training was taking you. Right. And so to for like the Hebrew Israelites who say you have to still celebrate the Old Testament festivals, those are the only ones that you're allowed to to celebrate. That's what you have to do. That's a little bit like saying um, uh, the, 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 what I like to use, the metaphor I like to use is it's like holding on to your mom's bus pass that used to get you around, even though now you have your license. So when, when you first get a bus pass, it feels like freedom, right? When you're 12 years old and you can go anywhere in the city, when you, get your driver's license though, having to go back to using the bus pass is like moving backwards into less freedom. We've been given the freedom in Christ uh, to be over the calendar. We're not subject to it anymore. It, it's our responsibility to set it. The same way the sun, the moon, and the stars had that responsibility in the Old Testament. We have that responsibility in the New Testament. So this is important because the sun, moon, and stars... Um, they were, um, 
I'm trying to figure out how you, we've talked about this before, but Adam was always to have this authority, right? This is not Adam was. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's not an uncommon understanding. It's not the universal understanding of the historically okay. theologically, but it's not an uncommon one. Yeah. And that's what I believe. So, well, it, it makes Adam, sense because Christ yeah. is given this. Like Christ is restoring everything that Adam has, had lost, and so whatever. When you look at what's being restored, and um, you're looking at, you know, if if the sun, moon, and stars, and the the, um, you know, the heavens are saying, "Hey, here's the here's the rightful king and owner of this particular place," right? Like, this give it all to him. He's the one that was at some point to be handed to to Adam to be able to do right. Yeah. So he was the with if he wouldn't have fallen, he I, I I believe that he would have ended up setting the being in charge of the calendar, or that Adam and his descendants would have ended up being in charge of the calendar. Um, it just and it it would have uh, it it would have there would have been a handoff at some point, right? You've been raised up to this authority by your tutors. Um, and the sun, the moon, and the stars are part of that. So when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and so go go forth discipling the nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you, uh, he says, uh, in the age of ages, right? So that's the, the, the literal translation. I will be with you in the age of ages. That, that Jesus is... He is being put where at. He's being put by the Father where Adam was intended to go, right? He's intent. He's taking. He's re- receiving the dominion and authority that Adam would have received eventually. And so, as the second Adam, he is putting right what the devil. He's undoing the works of the devil, like it says in First John. He's putting right what the devil undid um, through his murderous intentions. So how so how does the church set its calendar? Well, I mean, I think just throughout history, the, the wisdom of the church sifts what's good and what's bad, and the good things remain. Um, so right now, uh, what the, the church calendar is sort of organized around five what are called feast days, five evangelical feast days. And then there's a couple of, of uh, seasons as well. So you have... Yeah, Trinity Trinity season, and so and this is where you've got the freedom because you've got some differences between the East and the West. You've got some differences between the North and the South of Europe. Uh, you've got some differences that that fit together fine, or you know, um, we we can because the historical progression of the English speaking Church into America, you ended up with all of them coming together at mm, once. Mm. Sometimes the, there were miscommunications. You ended up with Things like um, Santa Santa Claus is actually the combination of a couple of different uh, European traditions, kind of amalgamated into a single one with bad uh, bad translation between languages. You end up with Santa Claus, which I don't think is is a a, a problem as a civic you know as a as a civic civic story that we tell or something, as long as it's not a um, you know as long as it's just kept in fun, right? Um, it's a, it's a civic Santa Claus, is sort of a civic figure, not a, not really a religious figure, but it, um, 
But you have this really interesting um, amalgamation of different church uh, calendar and civic calendar traditions all coming into uh, into a single you know a single city like New York or Boston or someplace um, speaking different languages, singing different Christmas songs, and some of the best Christmas songs that we have in the church came out of this melody. Um, from a German uh, song was added to this poem from an English song, and you get you know, really great songs or translations between uh, different different hymns tra- being translated between communities of Christians who said, "Oh man, we love your Christmas hymns. Can you teach us a couple?" And then uh, you get you know a, a great German hymn with English words, or you get an English hymn that you get a German song written to and then translated back into English. You know, you've got some great Christmas uh, music and Advent music that came because of that amalgamation of different cultures that were uh, forced his, by historical circumstances to have to worship as neighbors when they spoke different languages. Right? It's, a, it, it's one of the ways God, I think, moves his people forward. But the uh, so what we do is we say, um, you know, what, what are the traditions? Uh, we, you know, when we have a Bible in one hand and and the traditions in the other, and the Bible is the authority, and we say, does this one, does this tradition in the calendar, does this is this gospel shaped? Does this communicate what the gospel is, what Jesus has done for us? And, and if it does, you say, okay, then we've got the freedom to keep it. If it doesn't, you either transform it until it does, right? Because that's always a possibility. We've got the authority to do that. To, to take a to take a tradition and say, well, that didn't quite. That's not quite gospel shaped. Let's fix it. Or we say, well, we don't have to fix it. We can we can drop it, and then you set that calendar. And if it's good, it spreads. And if it's if it's good, true, and beautiful, it hangs around and spreads. And um, if you miss the mark, then then the next generation picks it up and looks at it and says, this is some gospel shaped. Um, you know. It's not not quite, um, but we have the freedom to do that, uh, and the free or the freedom to not do it. Right? We don't have to celebrate Christmas. Um, we we get to we, but if we don't want to, we don't have to. There's a part of me, the old me, that's like this sounds like a jumbled mess. So <laughs> it is a jumbled mess. It's oh, one of the things that's amazing about the the history of the church is it is a jumbled. Yes. Uh, so how um, how when but I, none of it comes from paganism. That's just one. Well, thing. hold yeah. on. That's what I, I want to get to. Like, no. Well, okay. Let's let's go through the calendar and let's start with where we're at right now. We're at the Christmas time. All right. Um, so Advent is the first day of the church calendar. So it's a new year begins the first Sunday of Advent. What's the first? Okay. So mark that off. What day is that? So it's you. It's usually it's either the last. So it's the four the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So. Every once in a while, it's December first, but usually it's the last. It's the last day in uh, yeah. the last Sunday in November. I think it's that um, time. And it was, so, yeah. You, yeah, so that is the first day of the year. So, Christmas is so, a solar is a solar holiday, um, meaning you get there by counting the days to it, um, and then you count backwards from Christmas to the first day of the year. 
Okay. So, <coughs> so Christmas is always on the 25th, right? right? It's so it, it's not a movable. It's it's not what's called a movable feast feast day or lunar feast day. Lunar feast days move around like Thanksgiving on the calendar, like they uh, like Thanksgiving, um, Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so Christmas is always December 25th. Yeah. So um, so you, and then you count backwards. Um, four Sundays to the first Sunday of Advent. And that's the beginning of the church calendar. What is Advent? And so Advent is the celebration of, uh, of the way that God brought the, the world to um, the, the fullness of times. So it's a celebration of the old Testament times, so that God, uh, God was the Lord of history and he brought the world to preparation for Jesus to come in a particular way. So Advent is the celebration of the Old Testament. Now it's also the celebration of the second coming at the same time because it's a cyclical calendar. So we have both, um, as Christians, we have both a uh, a linear view of history and a cyclical view of history. Mm. Um, we don't, we don't have to choose between the two. So the church calendar is a recapitulation of the life of Christ, as well as a recapitulation of the work of God in history. And it's, so it's not a reenactment. It's a recapitulation. So we walk through as the characters in the story in celebration, not in reenactment. So, and I think another way to think about that is listen to Pastor Merkel talk about this, how the Old Testament saints, we always are taught, are looking forward. New Testament saints are always are looking back. But um, if you go to, uh, and that's, that's, that's a, there's a reality that's there, but this is to go to your point, this is, is reciprocal, is that when Moses was building the temple, um, he was getting a, uh, the model from what was in heaven where everything was completed. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and... You know, so they're getting so everything is completed. They're getting this model to operate here and looking forward to the completion of what was in heaven. We get it. We look back, and so you kind of got this reciprocal thing going on yeah. there. There's and, a re- there's always a reciprocal thing. Yeah, and, uh, and, and um, also you have um, uh, the the Old Testament saints weren't just looking forward. They were always, I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out of the land of Egypt. They were looking back and everything that was in play with calling Abraham was a way to put man back into the garden. So (laughs) there is this reciprocal point in time in history. Always it's it's happening. It's not just one way or the other. It's it's both and. Right. And and, you know, you see this in the. In the Lord's Supper, you know, the uh, same sort of thing. You know, um, we do this until Christ returns, right, as a symbol that he is coming back to, to uh, as the, the judge and completer of, of our faith. But we also do this because he died and was raised, right? So it, it looks both directions, and it pulls the past into the present and the future into the mm. present in that it into a, a sacramental act, um, you know, to a sacramental unity that so that the and uh, and it which is accomplished by the Holy Spirit who is the Lord of history right who is the wind in the sails of history he's the one that is guiding and directing history so uh, an advent is a celebration of the way God brought the world to its 
uh, to the fullness of time so that it was ready for Jesus. But then you come around, it's also the end of the previous church year. And so it's also at the same time a celebration of the second advent, the second coming, when Jesus is going to return. And so it's a celebration. So it's a forward-looking celebration. Jesus is coming back someday to put all things right. And it's a backward-looking celebration. God has worked throughout history to prepare us for this, for, for Christ's coming, right? So, and then that leads us up to Christmas. And it's not important whether or not Jesus was born on December 25th. It's possible, maybe even likely that he was, but it's not important, right? That's not the point of it. It's the celebration. It's, it's nine months after the, the um, celebration of the Annunciation, which is when the, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. On the, on the old church calendar. We don't celebrate the Annunciation anymore. Maybe it would be a good thing to, to bring back. Um, but nine months on, on the church calendar, it's that there's a nine month nine months from one to the other. So Christmas is the celebration of the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. Uh, and the, 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 it's the this changes everything moment. Um, where God sort of sneaks in the back door into the old heavens and the old earth where nobody was looking. Um, even though he told them, he said, this is where I'm coming. And then nobody was looking. He sneaks in there and begins bringing the uh, new heavens and the new earth to pass. Or he begins the that construction the, project. The construction <laughs> project of the new heavens and the new earth um, there. And then, uh, so you've got this overlap historically, but where the new heavens and the new earth and the old heavens and the new earth and old heavens, and the old earth sort of coexist um, one in seed form. And, and then you've got the 40 years, then the old heavens, the old earth. I'm a preterist, you know, a, a partial preterist. I hear there's a, something going on right now where people are starting to have this conversation, which is kind of fun. Um, but so at 70 AD, I think, is the end of the old heavens and the old earth. So there's some overlap um, where the inauguration of the new heavens and the new earth begins in the resurrection. And the um, the old heavens and the old earth end 40 years later. And so you've got some overlap where both are functioning at the same time. And a lot of the book of Revelation is explaining conflict between the two and the transition from one to the other. Kind of got Acts, too, is working through. Oh, the New Testament is the actually. Book of Acts. Yeah, I mean, I think the book of Revelation and the book of Acts are both Exodus narratives. They're they're both, um, you know, that Exodus. Don't do that. Don't do that. We we, we can't get through all that. <laughs> yeah, we can't. We don't have time for that. But uh, okay, okay. So, so I, I think I think I agree. I can see. I can see that. I can see that. So yeah, Advent. They're how, both forty years. They're both anyway. All that. Here you go, man. <laughs> Why are you doing a rabbit? Trail? I can't. I can't. All right, no rabbit trails. No rabbit okay, trails. Okay. No, you see. Mm, okay, we got. <laughs> We'll come back to it. Okay. We always come back to no, everything. We we <laughs> so Advent starts the first Sunday. Yeah, the, the the first Sunday of Advent is the beginning of the church calendar. Okay, so the first Sunday of Advent is the beginning of the church calendar. So and how long four does, of those? How, how long is four Advent? weeks? Four weeks. Okay. Um, so then after Advent comes what? Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas. So Christmas is a 12-day festival on the traditional calendar. Um, I ain't got that much money. <laughs> no, we I, don't. I don't and have to increase this my is where I, was, <laughs> I mentioned this before, but we have um, 
I got uh, seven kids, Jason. I don't know if I can. They had a lot of. They had a. Yeah, they don't even all get twelve friends. <laughs> that's where. That's where it's just you know some special some you the 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 best gift is always the the time together right so wait is that where we get the song the 12 days of christmas and the first Mm -hmm. day of christmas my true love gave to me yeah so you've got the the 12 days of christmas this is a 12 day festival and they actually used to celebrate for 12 days but they had they uh in the the in the middle ages they had a much they well for one they didn't work as many days of the year as we do um there they but they also didn't have the uh the same sort of expectations of wealth that mm-hmm. we do. We we live in the wealthiest time in the history of the world. Because of the Protestant Reformation, um, you know, it, it trans it the 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 work ethic of the Protestant Reformation transformed everything in the entire world. I mean it's you you can't you can't go to Japan or China or any place and not find the work ethic of the Protestant Reformation of the northern Protestant Re- Reformation having touched and transformed everything. Uh, it it was an incredibly powerful uh, domin- movement of dominion for the human race. But the uh, you, so you get through the twelve days of Christmas and you get to Epiphany. So that's the next feast day on the calendar is Epiphany, it's, um, and it's the first day after the twelve days of Christmas. So you got January sixth, and that's the celebration of the wise men coming nobody celebrates nobody celebrates epiphany but here's why it's important right it's the first gentile converts to christ january so it's so it's the celebration of the the gentiles coming in yeah not the overthrow of america (laughs) the gentiles come in in seed form in the wise men right so the first gentiles that come in are the wise men the next gentiles that come in are the greeks that come and say we would see Jesus, and that that's the the sign that is the last week of Christ's life is that when the when Gentiles start converting, because he says it's not his job to Jesus didn't come to convert the Gentiles. He's going to give that job to the church, and so he says I, it's time for me to go die because Gentiles are wanting in. Right, they're starting to pound on the doors. Let us in. We want in. And he says I'm not here to convert Gentiles. I'm that's not my job. You, uh, that's going to be your job. You're going to see that. So he hands that off to the apostles. Um, so when the Greeks show up asking to see Jesus, he says, now is my time to be lifted up so that the whole world can see me. But you're the ones that do that work, not me. Right, so he goes to the cross. He's raised from the dead. And then, and then he ascends into heaven and he, um, says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You now go to all the nations of all the world and baptize them and make disciples. So um, that's what we're celebrating in Epiphany is the job we've been given um, that the, 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 the Gentiles come in, right? That, that what, the job of the church is to go get the Gentiles. What does Epiphany mean? Uh, the revealing. So the reveal we celebrate the revealing of the Messiah to the Gentiles. Wow, how do you celebrate Epiphany? What does that well, celebration what, look like? What we have done is set our Christmas tree on fire and sing, and then eat cookies and 
stuff. So there's, but there's other traditional ways to do it. There are cake, there are epiphany cakes and there's, Oh, let me ask you this know, way. Um, how does it, like, how's a church supposed to celebrate epiphany? Yeah. I mean, I think the traditional celebration involves like pancake relay races and stuff like that. <laughs> like they, they had, it was a party right? and it was, it was a, it, it was like a community party with games and that the early church. Um, well, all through the Middle Ages. So a, Are you a lot serious? of these, yeah. So they, it's like it, it was like a picnic um, cel- type so of celebration. So is this a, is this a civil have. holiday? It can't be a civil holiday then. So it's not like a no, picnic. but but the that they were free people, and so they got to pick which days off they wanted. They weren't slaves, so they got to pick which days off they wanted. And Epiphany was one that they would have. They would throw big picnics. So Epiphany isn't necessarily like a church service event it's it's a holiday no there's a so epiphany sunday um is often the second sunday of christmas would they would be epiphany sunday and it would be prepping for and sometimes it falls on a sunday but you preach an epiphany sermon and so it's a big it's a big evangelistic service but this is a festival Um, for the most part then right but then this was this was a festival yeah so, it, so, so then, the, was this a festival that the church would throw? Was this a festival that Christians would get together and t- make themselves? But yeah, well, those, it, it's hard to tell those two things apart when you've got a well-functioning Christian society, uh, right? Because so it's so both and it's both and yeah. So, um, so it's something that you can do with your family. Um, we are down in California. Our church would gather on the beach, and everybody would bring their Christmas tree. And then we would take turns throwing a Christmas tree in the fire and you get a fireball out of the top because it's so dry by then. You get like a 20, 25 foot flame every year. The police would come down and say hi, because after a little while, they got used to it. They were like, yeah, we're getting calls that there's fireballs shooting up from the beach, but it's January 6th. We know what that means. It means that there's a couple of churches down there throwing Christmas trees into the fire on the beach and so Jason, which was legal. And, but the, so the police would always come over and say hi. After a few years, they just. They start coming with you. Hey, I brought my tree. Yeah. Um, How how do you how do you keep the central point of Epiphany in those type of events? Because I can see people. Oh, it's it's going to burn a tree, but then they have no idea what they're doing. Well, we just picked the we just picked the songs to sing that are about the Gentiles coming in. So some of the Psalms of David talking about the conversion of the Gentiles, and then there's epiphany hymns to sing and things as well. And, but I mean, one of the things that it is, is, uh, I mean, we, and then we always did epiphany Sunday. So we preached a sermon about it as well. Um, But then, uh, but then the kids all looked forward to it because it was literally a giant fireball on the beach. And, and actually some of the families started watering their trees with kerosene instead of water a couple of days before it. So they would, cause then they wanted to get the biggest fireball. <laughs> it was so dangerous and really fun. Um, but, but the, but the kids are there, you know, the kids are running around having a good time and then it's time for another tree to go in. And so then they all gather up and you sing a song and throw a tree in. And then they go play for 20, 25 minutes to get a big game of hide and seek going and, and then you call them back over for another song. I mean, they, the, the, the purpose is to celebrate and enjoy it. Um, it's not a reenactment, so it doesn't have to be. 
a it, religious service. Yeah, I just, you know, the thing that I'm I'm always concerned about is are we getting the intent from the celebration, right? Like that's one of the things that, you know, um I what and and maybe it's the curmudgeon in me that's always like <laughs> you know, and but and I, I don't doubt that it's there, but it's funny because I the more that I've started celebrating um Christmas, the more that I think of my discipleship to my family. So uh, it's one thing to tell your kids to do the dishes and force them to do it. It's another thing to bring joy out of it so that it almost becomes its own form of, um, we get to do this. Right. Right. Um, Where it's like, it's time for the dishes. Right. Exactly. Or, or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's time, you know, one of the, so my sons, we go out and grab wood for the, the fireplace and, you know, we got to chop our own wood. And so I've found that the more that I take enjoyment of this and have made more of the fellowship than of the chopping of the wood, the greater we do in chopping wood. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Well, man, I have, I have great memories of, you know, the getting behind, you know, we, the, the house would get behind on laundry and bring, and my mom would bring all the laundry up and we fold it as a family and it was not long before it turned into a sock fight every time. Yeah. We always got the laundry folded eventually, but I looked forward to laundry folding because of the sock fight with dad. You yeah. Know, the, I, uh, and, and I think that's the, it's the same sort of thing. You know, if you're turning it into, um, if, if here's the things we have to do, um, and because we're very serious people, um, but I want to, at the same time, I don't want people, I don't want my kids to get so involved in the one that they miss out on the other where it's like now, for sure. cause what, what I've seen happen in Christendom is okay for the wood, for example, Hey, let's go outside around the wood and have great conversation, but none of it gets chopped and none, none of it gets, gets inside. Right. Yeah. right? But we yeah. had great conversation and I'm like, wait, 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 I want to marry those two things. We are, and and I think in doing so, you can become um, pretty rigid. Where it's like the goal is to get the wood inside the house, so yeah. we don't die of of, of freezing. Right, that's what we want to do. Um, but there is actually a goal of maturing my sons to be the type of man. You know, th- I want those things. Right. I don't want to hold those two things against each other. I want to hold them together, but it's sometimes when we talk, like they would think of Epiphany. I'm like, okay, what's the importance? We got the Gentiles coming in, um, new heaven, new earth. This is re- getting restored back to the garden, back to Adam, one mankind coming together, being grafted in. I'm thinking, you know, Romans uh, nine or ten, uh, and it's, I'm like, okay, right now, what do we do? How do you do that thing with this Epiphany where you can see that? And so the thing that's in the symbolism is representing the the cel- the actual thing that we're trying to celebrate, right? How do those two right. things marry together? I mean, I, I think that it's that there's a there's a poetic marrying that we have to be constantly working on, mm. right? That the there's a because it's a because a calendar is should be a living right a living thing, right? It's a thing that we do that we live out. It's not something that sort of. It, it's it's not something that we are trying to get right and so that we can put it on the shelf and look at it. Right, 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 right. Because right. as soon as you, like if you get the most beautiful butterflies and then pin them into a perfect row, 
you have now beautiful butterfly butterflies pinned in a row, but they are not alive anymore. And you don't get more butterflies, right? You butterflies, death, and that beautiful, yeah, life. beautiful <laughs> death, yeah. And so um, there, if but if you go down, if you've ever been to like a butterfly farm, it is absolute chaos. Um, but that's what it looks like to know that the next generation is going to have more butterflies too. Uh, is the so. So it's always that balance of you're trying to um, you're you're trying to get the joy uh, and the celebration into the only safe place that it is, and the, and the understanding, right? The joy, the celebration, and the understanding into the only safe place, which is the hearts of the next generation, mm. right? So mm. it's not safe on the shelf. It's not safe written down on the calendar. It's only safe in the hearts of the next generation. Ooh. And that's a serious process okay. um, that right. involves, oh. you know, a lot of the, you know, you, you dance love into the next generation. Okay. Let's keep going. That's, that's really good. Um, so that's the, that's the beginning of the first, that's the first cycle of the church calendar. That's the first cycle. So that's the first cycle okay. so that right, you, is Advent through epiphany. The second cycle of the church calendar is, um, Lent to Easter. I still don't know what to do with Lent. <laughs> <laughs> Lent I, I don't know. I have not ever seen it used in a way that I think that bring that brought a lot of life. Um, in theory, in Lent means lengthening. So it's the, it, it's the, um, it's the time uh, you're celebrating the, uh, the the growing light that becomes the sunrise of Christ. And so you're celebrating the the life of Jesus. You're celebrating the the way that um, God brings light in and it grows and spreads. And that the that history has um, that history has a that moves from night to day. Right. The, the Old Testament was. Uh, you, the people of God were under the moon. The New Testament, the people of God are under the Son of Righteousness, who is Christ. Right. So you've got this movement in history that you're celebrating in Lent. A lot of the traditions that surround Lent have not been helpful. Um, they were very to, to in the modern world. They were incredibly helpful because um, they it, in the early church because they were a sort of paganism detox. So. Um, when you're coming out of a world mm. in which the, um, the consistent, you're surrounded by the consistent misuse of everything, Lent sort of functioned as this paganism detox. Um, it, but it's a, it's so, but it, it is a thing. I mean, it is a time. It is a season. The, the fish, which goes on sale at McDonald's during Lent still to this day. Yeah. Right. So it, the, the world looks around and says, it is Lent. And so I hope that we can figure out how to use it well. I just don't really know. And so, you know, we just say, oh, yeah, it's Lent. It's the third Sunday of Lent. Or it, so it's not. So Lent is only the six days of the week um, that it's not Sunday. So there are not Sundays of Lent. There are Sundays in Lent. Because on Sunday, it's not Lent. That's um, during the Lenten season. And then uh, that leads us up to the Easter cycle, 
uh, which is very Good pagan. Friday. Very pagan. Even the very name <laughs> of Easter itself is pagan. Right? This is a <laughs> that, tough one. You hear this all the time. Um, and Where's Easter in the Bible? We don't find Easter in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, Jason. Easter is just the Anglo-Saxon word for spring. We see spring in the Bible. So the, 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 there's not a... Um, Where's spring in the Bible? It's equinox, right? The first day of the equinox is spring. Where's that in the right? Bible? So well, you've got... It's it's just anywhere where there's the cycles of the seasons, right? The, it's a, the seasonal cycle. Uh, so, okay. Uh-oh. There are four seasons, right? Okay. This is some, this is, here we go. This is some astronomy okay. lesson. There are four seasons. Got you. They are defined by which direction the sun is moving from one day to the next in its sunrise. So the sun moves across the horizon as it rises and sets. It doesn't rise and set in the same day or in the same place every day, except for on the, on the equinoxes when it, um, when it gets, or no, on the, um, yeah. So it gets to the end uh, of it, of its uh, cycle, right? In the middle of the winter and the shortest day of the year, the sun goes down in one spot, comes up in another spot. And then the next day, it goes down in the same spot, comes up in the same spot because it's changing the direction. It's moving across the horizon. Mm. Right. So if you go out and you draw a sunrise and then you go out the next day, stand in the same spot and draw the sunrise, the sun is going to come up in a different spot. And it's mo- during one part of the year, it moves one direction across the horizon, and then it moves back across the horizon the other direction. If there's 180 degrees, um, or there's, there's 180 degrees in a half circle, or 360 degrees in a full circle, because if you had, it, um, if you kept moving the one degree that the sun moves every time, all the way around every every day of the year, you it'd take 360 days for the sun to go all the way around the horizon right so this is all this is um heaven heavenly geometry is what it's called or it's some um, sometimes it's called all sorts of things but the um and then the day that it's right in the middle is so it, it moves all the way across one direction all the way across the other direction on the edges you got winter and summer, and the day that it's right in the middle is the transition to fall and spring. So, um, Oystra is the goddess of spring um, for, the, for the Germans. <laughs> Told you. Nobody knows anything about her. She's disappeared from she, history. We she's have, the goddess of the spring for Germans. We, the only reason we know that is because Bede and his ecclesiastical history says, isn't it ironic that Oystra has given her name to our festival of resurrection? Right. We sell it. Okay. Uh, okay. We don't know anything else about her. Now, Austria is also named after her. So if we want to get rid of Easter, we got to get rid of Austria as well. I well, I'm not ready to do that. Um, but every, I mean, the thing is, is all, all the names of our week are named after the planets or the gods 
of the old of of the old world, right? The Monday is just the moon's day. Tuesday is Tuesday, who's the Mars of the Anglo-Saxon. Woden's day is Wednesday. Um, Thor's day is Thursday. So he's he's Zeus. He's a Jupiter. Um, Freya's day um, or Freya's day is the uh, Venus. Uh, Saturn's day is Saturn because the um, the god of for whatever reason the Latin god we held on to the Latin god for Saturday and then Sunday is the sun's day or soul's day or you know, so their name that we have each planet gets its own day of the week and there were times that they worshiped the planets in the Old Testament or different pagan pagans worshiped the planets and that wasn't good but that doesn't mean we shouldn't restore it to its proper use, right? And so the proper the what we should see every spring is the the resurrection of history um symbolized, right? Jesus we're told he's the sunrise of history. He's the the, the that he is the um he's the one who brings the world into its new new era. He's the it was winter in the Old Testament and he came as the the rising of spring or all those things are true. And so to call our resurrection festival after the word for spring makes perfect sense. And we're told by Isaiah that we would forget the gods of, of the ancient world because they'd be replaced. And we've forgotten who Oyster was. We don't even, we don't even know her story. Um, but so she tried God to she tried to take our holiday our, our resurrection. She put her name to our resurrection <laughs> day. Right? Uh, she was she was tossed out of uh, out of her place of authority when Jesus took the authority. Right. So spring should be should remind us of Jesus anyway. So I mean, it's the resurrection of the world. It's that cyclical death and resurrection that God imprinted onto the world from the beginning. Uh, because he is a God who was going to give us the shape of all of history as a death and resurrection. Hold so, on. so then you start looking at every season in some way as a, a form of pointing back to Christ and his work, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So the cycles, so all of the religious cycles of the, all, all of the religious calendars of the ancient world were cyclical and the religious views of history, religion was con- because it, so much of it grew out of the observation of the world um, being a cyclical, you know, the world being a cyclical thing. So you work through the seasons and religions and worship in the ancient world um, tended to take on the shape of the seasons unless you got into an imperial setting. Imperial religions were sky religions. Um the but most of the other religions, tribal religions especially, were cyclical sorts of religions. We don't have to pick between those two because Jesus fulfilled them all. Jesus, so Jesus was the fulfillment of the imperial. So the, take your time. So here, take your time. Here's here's an example. So the um, the we have coins of the Caesar holding the seven stars in his right hand, the seven wandering stars in his right hand, right? When Jesus comes along in Revelation, John gets a vision of Jesus is actually the true Caesar, the true King of Kings, because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, was also a title that the 
Caesar took onto himself, as well as the great shepherd, right? That, those were all titles that the Caesar were official titles of the Caesar. Caesar. And he'd come across those titles um, by conquering kings that held those titles or by holding the the throne power of a lot of different kings, right? So, so when Jesus comes along and we're told he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's the great shepherd, he's the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he's saying he is the actual true empire, e- emperor of this whole place, right? He's the true emperor of the world. Uh, but holding the seven stars in your right hand means you are the Lord of time. You're the Lord of of you, you're the the reason that time is linear is because of your power and authority. Jesus tells us that that he is that the world is is that that history is moving in a particular direction. Um, so it, it's the fulfillment of the dominion mandate of Adam is all symbolized in him holding the wandering stars in his right hand, right? So. Uh, and the 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 hope of the dominion mandate is that the world will be brought to its intended end by the domi- the the dominion of Adam and Eve and his descendants, and that's what we're being restored to. Right? But there's also a a, a cyclical hope uh, in the sense that um, God then created a world that then went through cycles after cycle after cycle, the same cycle over and over and over, and that there was that. Uh, the the path forward towards that dominion was to harness the cycles well, mm. right? Is to understand and harness the cycles well, and so a lot of the the uh, religious hope of mankind ended up being wrapped up in the cyclical aspects of nature, um, and and so, but Jesus also uh, fulfills that as well. So there's a a linear aspect to the, the time and then there's a cyclical aspect to time and all of it turns out to be under the authority of Christ and work towards that uh, the the maturity of the human race in Christ right so, could, so uh, could you get that so could you also look at it and say those seven days are cyclical that are inside of this linear direction the the seven days are they are cyclical except for the fact that there isn't anything in creation that can tell us what day of the week it is. We have to count backwards or forwards to discover what day of the week it is. There's not a, the, the week is the only part of the calendar that is not a uh, creationally developed, mm. right? So we have assigned a different, a different name um, from the heavens to the days of the week. Um, and I think that's kind of what the that, I think that's what the seven spirits of God you know is talking about, right? Is that you've got these heavenly spirits, um, these that uh, that are set up there as um, as to to keep. So they're called the wandering planets because they don't move with everything else. Everything else functions in a particular cyclical system, but the planets um, they don't stay put they move the wrong direction they move in cycles and epicycles they 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 align and realign but not they they, in a predictable way but it's not working on the same cycle the days of the week don't fit into 
the cycles of the heavenly realm, right? They don't fit in into the cycles and epicycles of the heavens. And so it made sense to then name them according to the planets that also don't fit into the cycles and epicycles of the heavenly movement. Right? So the sun um, moves yearly through its cycle. The lunar cycle is also a yearly cycle. Mm, mm-hmm. The stars have a yearly cycle. Within the stars, you've got the zodiac that tells you which month you're in, which astrological month you're in, because the sun rises in different constellations. Right? And so the, the months, the, 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 the lunar months, the solar months, the, the lunar year, the solar year, those are all astrological. The week is something that's there because God took six days and rested the seventh. Six days to create, rested the seventh. It's the only reason the week is there. So, can, so you have to so, count it out. It doesn't fit into the epicycles. So could you look at the, the forming of the week and say that's a special revelation then, that's special revelation versus general revelation in one sense? Because you don't get the week apart from God saying, you know, first day, second day. Third day, fourth day, yeah. fifth day, sixth day, it, seventh day. Right. I, I believe it is there by special revelation. I can come up with a story in which you derive it from natural revelation based on the seven wandering planets. I got you. Okay. I don't believe that's how it came about, though. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Because right. it's just there. And it's all over the place, right? You've got calendars everywhere. I mean, you, so I mean, you, you get to like an Aztec calendar. It's an imperial calendar. It's a sun-based calendar. Um, and, uh, it, and it has the, the same zodiac as the calendar you find in China, um, which also has the same zodiac that you find down in, in ancient Africa, which also has the same zodiac that you find all throughout Europe and the Middle East. You get the same zodiac no matter where you go. That means that the calendar was set before the people were dispersed from one mm. another, right? So the it's the for calendar Babel and then kind of set up, right. right? So I so so I I believe Noah was the one who identified the zodiac and communicated it, right? Okay, well, so don't, don't um, do that. Don't don't do don't well, do that. Don't, just, so you keep doing stuff. I mean, it makes sense, but okay. it does, right? So, but but that's reasoning backwards. Now, Noah would also have said seven day week, right, yeah. and set it up according to that way. So you find that everywhere. When you have people trying to undo the God's people and their influence in a place, one of the things they get rid of right away is the seven day week. So. The Russian Revolution, the French, French Revolution, yeah. the Enlightenment, they tried to get rid of the seven-day week um, because it's not rational. And it's it's not. It's it's a prime number. It's not. It doesn't make any sense to do a seven-day week. You, the math is hard. Why would you do that? Um, <laughs> but I, you, you do did. that because God created us so in six days. Th- so this is – we got all this way from Easter. So then – right. Easter is resurrection. Easter is Easter is means springtime. So so spring. The, uh, win, the winter of the world was conquered by the true spring when Jesus was raised from the dead. Right? The springtime of history the first day of the springtime of history is when Jesus was raised from the dead. 
So it makes sense to call it Easter. So what about the bunny? So that's what the English church did. What do you do with the I mean, <laughs> what about what? What about the you know, the paganism, the bunnies and the, you know, the. Well, first, bunnies aren't a symbol in, of in ancient paganism in any particular special way, right? It's, um, and, you know, egg-laying bunnies. And that's not, uh, that's the there were some romantic. Easter, though. It is the symbol, but it, but it, but it didn't come from paganism, right? The bunny as a symbol of anything didn't come from paganism. So uh, the bunnies as a symbol of, of springtime as a symbol of virality, as a symbol of the, you know, they have lots of babies and, but the resurrection is that kind of thing, right? If the world, the, um, the, the world comes alive in the spring and everything starts having babies and that's part of spring. That's also what happened with the resurrection is suddenly people were born again all over the place, out of time, out of place. You better shut up. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. I like that. Right. So, um, and then eggs, the the reason that eggs became a symbol um, is because uh, you couldn't eat eggs during Lent. And so you had an overabundance of eggs. And so they started using them for games. Um, They started coming up with, and then they, they boiled them to, so that they would keep so that you could, so that the time when the time came, you could eat them, and then they decorated them because there were eggs everywhere because you weren't eating them, and so eggs were a symbol of. Uh, and then people looked at them and when they were surrounded by them, and the, the symbolism comes after, right? They didn't think of the symbolism first. They looked at a world surrounded by eggs, and they said, "You know, an egg is kind of like a tomb. If you <laughs> you look at it and you think, I don't understand what's going on there." And then suddenly new life pops out of it, right? So mm. the egg as a symbol of resurrection, uh, of Jesus's resurrection out of the tomb, it does develop after, right? It doesn't, it's not the reason that they started using eggs. They started using eggs because they were trying to learn how to properly um, use the world around them. And so there was some paganism detox that they went through. And, uh, and part of that had to do with set up series of fastings. And that's how you got um, Lent, right? And that's how you got Lent, and that's and then well, that's that how you sense. got an overabundance of eggs, historically it, speaking. So, but I do think that God purposefully made the egg as a symbol of resurrection, right? As a symbol of the tomb. Um, I think you you look at it, and you can't tell a dead egg from a living egg by just looking at it, or you can't. There's no. There's nothing about one egg. Um, you know, we, we used to, my, my daughter used to keep turtles and these, you know, you'd get, you'd get a bunch of turtle eggs and some of them wouldn't be alive. They wouldn't have a living turtle in them, but you couldn't tell the difference until the time came and either something came out of it or it didn't. That was how you knew if it was living. So, so um, and the, the tomb of Christ looked like every other tomb, except for the fact that death had swallowed the king of life himself, right? Death had, it was was and, it and, keep and him. Ch- choked on it and died and coughed it back, coughed Christ back up. So, is Easter a civil holiday or religious holiday? You know what I mean? I know are these both yeah. overlapping? So it's, a, so it's a church holiday, church holiday. Um, but the, but what happens is the civil holidays start taking the church holidays into it. 
as a way of saying we too are Christian institutions, right? We are also Christian institutions. So you don't have, um, so now mm. in that, that, that becomes a, that became a problem in certain places um, where Lent becomes enforced by the civil magistrate. And, you know, that's, that's not the intention. Um, they sh- there should be a, a separate, civil and religious calendars, civil and ecclesiastical. But they bow too, though. They're like, oh, this is Christ. We bow because, I mean, because you can't have Easter as resurrection and the civil magistrate not know that, oh, yeah, our crowns go down there at his feet too. Right, exactly. And that's the, and that is the, the whole point of, of even just, you know, the, um, you know, the, like the blue laws, uh, Sabbath laws. Yeah, yeah. Were, the, South, yeah. The, the, the idea was, well, look, it, he tells us to take a day off. And so we're all taking a day off whether or not it's a, it's the right move um, to have a civil magistrate be the one who enforces the Sabbath is a different question than whether or not the civil magistrate should acknowledge the Sabbath. Right. I'll have a problem. (laughs) I know. I know you don't, but I think these are, but this is where um, you're looking for the wisdom, uh, the wisdom of it. Right. And so, well, okay, um, well, I guess, I guess first, first and foremost, um, your civil magistrate would have a hard time enforcing something that individuals weren't already policing through the shutting down their own companies and giving the people a right, day exactly, rest, right? You wouldn't right. need them for for that necessarily, right. you know. And so, um, but but should a let's say a gas station um, that has those the robot gas station the robot. Uh, um, you, where you just you go in and you just touch your phone to it now and then it'll give you gas. Right? I, I think doesn't, a, doesn't even need a person. Doesn't need a person, right? Should they have to shut down on a Sunday? Uh, right? No, you, no, of course right? not. Right? No, but in the but some of in some of the blue laws, you had to turn off your like if you had a Coke machine, you would have to unplug it on on Sunday because well, a Coke right? machine so, that might be a problem. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. If it's a Pepsi machine, <laughs> but but you but you know what I mean. You I know what I mean. Is, I do, but that's the miss the point of the Sabbath. I think though, is part of it, right? Like that's. I, I think it is, but I but I think should a, um, you know, if if you have, if you have a Seventh Day Adventist, uh, in your town, should they be should they be allowed to open up their restaurant on a Sunday? You know, uh, th- those sorts of questions. I I'm I, I'm saying those are things that you should we should be thinking through and trying to gain the wisdom and passing it on for, to our children so that when God puts us back in charge, we're ready to be, to establish gospel shaped. That's um, interesting. Society. I, 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 that's something you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's something that I have to work about because I, I see what you're saying in the sense that the calendar in itself is not necessarily a lot. So if somebody decides to worship on Saturday or Sunday, there's, they're not excommunicated because of that. Yep, they have the, they have the freedom right. in, the, in the New Testament to do that. Would it be stupid to be like, hey, our Sunday morning service is on Wednesday? I mean, like, okay, no, you're, you're out. Excommunicado. <laughs> uh, you, we don't do that around I here. Mean, I, uh, that, but the, this is where I think you've got a, the, clear, the clear delineation of ecclesiastical and civil authority needs to um, – needs to be well i'm not talking about civil i'm talking about just ecclesiastical in this point so i what i would what i would say is that that foolishness will make itself known over time right okay over I'll, time I, yeah. I grant that okay i want to keep moving because we got 
Easter, okay, Easter doesn't sound so pagan now, although I don't know if I'm being <laughs> manipulated or if I don't know how I feel about this yet. Okay, so Easter, I can see resurrection, I can see spring, those things make sense. Um, what does a celebration of Easter look like then to the church? What is it? What I mean, we kind of know what it looks like to Christmas. Is it a time period through, you know, Easter? Is it days? Is it one day? How does, how does. So, well, the, the, um, the Easter cycle is a good, good Friday, Holy Saturday, um, Easter Sunday, right? So, uh, and then, so Monday, Thursday is the kickoff usually. So, and, th- and this is the part of it is God combined Jews and Gentiles and he combined Gentiles that had a solar calendar that started at midnight um, with Jews that had a lunar calendar that started at sundown that each day, right? And so, so um, throughout church history, you get the eve of the celebration as the beginning of the celebration. And so all of the days, instead of choosing between um, the solar and the lunar, we, the church decided to combine them and basically make each one day celebration into a two day celebration, <laughs> which I love is the, is so we, you have Christmas Eve and Christmas day. Um, that's because Jewish celebrations started the evening before in the mind of Gentiles. And then, uh, but then they just said, well, then we'll have basically our, our, celebration day will be 36 hours long and we'll, we'll have both. Um, mm. And so the Easter cell Easter cycle begins Thursday night. Um, is that in what's called the Monday Thursday service? So is that why we get the calculation of Christ in the grave all between the two? Like we always have different. Yeah. We, you always have this weird, well, what three days and three nights, what does that mean? Um, you know, I, I, on a Jewish calendar, that would mean he was crucified on a Wednesday. Right. Um, and Wednesday then Eve, right? On, on, on a Wednesday. So he would have died at the end of the day, Wednesday, basically, right. as the sun goes down Wednesday. Um, but on in a Roman calendar, right? So he, it's um, you, the, you, you count the days backwards, you know, Sunday, you, Saturday, Saturday, or it'd be Thursday, right? In, in a Roman reckoning. I think there's good reason to think it would have been a Jewish reckoning, um, but it doesn't, but it, it's not a reenactment. And so it's okay. We don't have to figure that all out. It's a recapitulation. It's a celebration. It's, it's like the 4th of July. We don't have to kill Brit, Brits to celebrate because we're not reenacting the revolution. Only the Marxist right? ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we're re- we're celebrating re- and uh, so you have a uh, so a, traditionally it's start, so and this is also where there were church services for all of these things and we don't I, my my church does that and I really enjoy the Monday Eve so the Monday Thursday is the celebration of the establishment of the Lord's Supper all right so it's um, a, a a special Lord's Supper service, a special sacramental service where we're celebrating the institution of the Lord's Supper. It's a part of the Easter cycle because it's Thursday evening after sundown, which is on a Hebrew reckoning, it's part of Good Friday has already begun. So it's a Good Friday Eve service 
um, or a Monday Thursday service. So, and then Good Friday is the celebration of the crucifixion. Um, what, uh, and then Holy Saturday is the celebration of the time in the grave, the recreation of all things in the grave. And then Easter is the celebration of the resurrection uh, of Christ. So it's, um, it's a four day cycle um, in the, on the calendar. And we tend to do that. Most, I, most evangelicals will, you'll have, probably have a 60, 40 split, you know, who do and 40% that don't. Um, yeah. So we'll, we tend to grasp that one. So then, we got Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent. Eh, we don't know what to do with them. And then Easter. Don't know what to do with it yet. Easter. And then the Easter cycle. And then what's after Easter? Um, and then, uh, so 40 days later, you've got Ascension Thursday. So that's a Thursday because Easter is is always on a Sunday. Oh, and um, so and this Easter is following. We're following now what Christ. So his after his resurrection, he spent 40 days. Um, teaching and each one of those 40 days you have him coming on the first day of the week reestablishing the new creation with his people yep um th- th- what, what and, is 40 is and then there, he ascends into heaven on a thursday is there anything significant about the 40 days in that time period well there's the the 40 days in the wilderness have been basically flipped inside out inverted right so instead of 40 days in the wilderness you have 40 days with Christ right out of the wilderness. Can I, so can I pause it? Yeah, go ahead. With, um, if this is a new creation and this is like going back to the garden, then this, I don't know what the time period was, but I see this time period with Christ and his people, like the new Adam. Once again, he's with his people walking with him in the garden in this new world that he's made and he's teaching and discipling them about this new world, and he's doing it through the first day of the week, breaking bread with them there. And so you have this new creation, the same thing you saw with Adam in the garden, you're having with Christ and his people, and he's teaching them. And then he, at the end of that, he says, now go and make everything else, right? Um, go and, and make disciples of the man of, of the world, of, the, of nations, right? Baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So he gives this same kind of... Um, mandate that you see here with Adam is to be fruitful and multiply, right? Um, and you see this uh, with Christ in this new world. Is there a parallel yeah, there? There is. And, but it, and it, it goes one step deeper than that, too, because um, it, it is six weeks of days. So uh, from his crucifixion to his ascension. So it's 40 days from the resurrection, meaning it's the 43rd day since his crucifixion, meaning it's the first day of the seventh seven uh, in since his I feel like we're just doing like some crucifixion. Sort of, okay. Yeah, I, I feel this, like, yeah that's, that's crazy. But it's, but it's not crazy because it's the same math that Matthew uses about the genealogy. Exactly. Oh. It's the same numbers. So when Matthew does his math about the genealogy in the beginning when he gives the genealogy and he says it's 42 it's been 42 generations right so it's um and then he gives us three sets of 14 right you you get this same mathematical you get the same math 
with the crucifixion to the ascension. Um, and it, the, and then to Pentecost, which we'll get to, which is on the 50th day, which is the first day after seven sevens right now. And that is, that math is straight out of the, uh, at the, it's, it's, I mean, literally straight out of the book of Leviticus where you've got the, the last day of Passover, you go before the Lord you, and you ascend before the Lord, and then you bring what's called a wave offering, which is two grain, you know, piece of grain or a stock of grain in each hand, and you wave it before the Lord and you sing songs, right? Uh, and then you go away and you come back fifty days later on the day of Pentecost, and you wave two loaves of sourdough bread mm. before the Lord. Mm. Right? So your grain over the course of seven sevens your grain has matured into sourdough bread. So, um, and then you're required it, 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 to eat sourdough bread with the Lord. So when somebody says, oh, you're, you have to have unleavened bread before the Lord, they're forgetting that there were, the, that in the Pentecost season, you were required to have sourdough bread in your sacrifices, in your, in your Old Testament sacraments. So, so you've got a, uh, you've got the scriptures are the ones pointing out the numbers and they parallel um, old, both old, some old Testament uh, numbers, cycle numbers, and they parallel new Testament numbers. Um, and they're the kind of numbers that would make you think, okay, this is, these are creation or recreation numbers. Um, we're, we're dealing with um, sevens and seven, seven, sevens, that sort of numbers. And this isn't something that this is if if you have a fully integrated universe and understand then when he says seven days of creation and then he says um, you know like you've got three sets of seven in the book of Revelation uh, that have to do with creation and decreation decreation and recreation that sort of thing. Um, that we should stop and say, oh, interesting, God is doing something here with the days of the, the days of creation or the work of recreation or God, Jesus as a new Adam or establishing the church as the true descendants of Adam um, to go out and complete the work the, that Adam was intended to have and, and wasn't, you know, those are the sorts of things that we should walk away with. Okay. So um, is that there's a poetic unity and beauty there we go. to, to yep. uh, what Christ is doing. If we're reading, right. if we know how to none read. of it goes off and yeah, we have a form of it doesn't poetry really here. tell us what to do. Right. It's just a, it's just that poetic beauty and unity. It's not like it gives us a command that it, but it, um, in it, the we, midst, but we should be able to see the story better because of it. So it does help us with understanding. Yes, in one sense. So like, that's exactly it. So then help. So then let's work through this for me because I'm not. I, I'm going to make sure I get this right. What's happening in Leviticus with the feasts? The the yeah. Okay, and then you take that and you put it in with Matthew. What what is going on with the feast? So it's like there's a maturity from grain so, to bread, right? Yeah, from, from grain to from grain to sourdough bread in particular, right? So you can't you can't make sourdough bread directly from grain. Sourdough bread is made 
um, from you have to take grain, make a make dough, take a piece of that dough, then go cook your bread, make new dough, take the old piece of dough and put it in with the new dough and then let it sit and mature. And then you take a piece of that dough and then you bake your bread. Um, and then the piece of dough that you set aside, you make new dough and you add the old dough to it and let it mature. Right. So it's a maturation process that gets you leavened bread between old and new, right? Right. Between old and new. So you bring into the new and then let it, let it spread throughout the whole thing. You get this, this maturation process. Pentecost is the only festival that we continue, that we still celebrate in the new Testament. Pentecost is an old Testament festival. We still celebrate it. Right. Um, and it's the, we celebrate it as the day that the spirit was poured out on the church anew in order to empower it, to bring the spirit to the rest of the world. Right. So uh, it is the, uh, it, it's, Pentecost is the reminder that history is the sourdoughing of the world, right? That, that you, that every new loaf brings the old loaf with it. And there's fundamental continuity um, in the spread of the gospel. There's a fundamental continuity um, from the, from as, as the spirit pushes the church forward out into the rest of the To new, and hold on. You the bro- spirit is. You broke up. Say that again. The, there's, there's continuity. From, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's from the old to the new, and the spirit is the continuity. The Testament, the same way it worked in the Old Testament, but now he's being put into new loaves over and over and all throughout the whole world. Um, brought into. And, and grafted into the people of God, right? The the Israel. The, the Abraham, right? So that con, but the continuity is the spirit, right? The spirit and the spirit's work is the continuity between the New Testament and the New Testament. So, and that's so that's after Easter. The, that, so the promises that were given to Abraham. Go ahead, go ahead. Keep this. So this is, so this is a, the, 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 the cycle. It's the ascension to Pentecost cycle. Mm. Well, ascension to the All Saints Day cycle. So uh, the ascension is where Jesus ascends into heaven and is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right. Um, Pentecost is the day the Spirit falls onto the body of Christ. So uh, he, Daniel 7 um, is the ascension from the other side. Daniel sees the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven to the Ancient of Days where he is given a kingdom, right? So that's the ascension seen from the heavenly side. So in the the beginning of Acts, we see Jesus ascending to heaven. Daniel 7, we see from the heavenly perspective, Daniel sees the Son of Man coming And then he is anointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Pentecost, the Spirit of God that Jesus was anointed with flows down onto the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ is then empowered by the Spirit to 
go out and and bring the the new rule of Christ to the rest of his kingdom, to the rest of his what he has become king of, uh, and the uh, and it's the day of Pentecost because it is the day it's the har- that's a harvest it's a harvest festival it's it's and now we're going out to harvest the world it's a um, it it's the festival of maturity or it's the the celebration of the maturing of God's people in the Old Testament and it's the, the it's the time when we become when we you know go through our bar mitzvah so, so to speak and become adults um, in the New Testament uh, you were no longer children because now the spirit of God has come upon us um, it's the time when we're uh, when when um, and then it's the beginning of the bringing in of the Gentiles as well. Uh, the full engrafting in of the Gentiles. Now you've got you know a, a Gentiles around the world looking at the promises given to Abraham and saying, "Oh, you've promised me this world. You've promised a bunch of." Gentile kids that if they honor their father and the mother, their mother, that it will go well with them in the world. It says in Ephesians six, you know, you've got all of these promises given to Old Testament Jews uh, and Hebrews, um, Israelites, and also true for Gentiles around the world that have the same faith as Abraham, that are baptized into the Red Sea like the Jews were. That that um, you know. Eat, eat the manna in the wilderness like our people did in the past, right? So we're grafted in, uh, and the, and then that cycle ends at All Saints Day. It's the day before All Saints Day. All Saints Day is the celebration of the advancement of God's people throughout history. So Wait, we remember you, the you martyrs. Halloween, we, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Halloween. So Halloween. That's definitely pagan. Now you ain't no way around that. No, we're talking so about all Hallow's Eve. It's it's like Christmas dead people. Eve. It's it's no, it's like it's like Christmas Eve, but for All Saints Day, All Saints Day Eve, Halloween is All Hallow's Eve. Um, so, and All Hallows just means the holy ones. So it's the celebration of the martyrs that advanced the gospel throughout history. It's the celebration of the fact that um, God uses the feet of the church to stomp out the devil throughout the world, right? Um, was that Romans 16, 9? Um, God will soon crush Satan underneath your feet, right? That's the, we're celebrating the way God's people advance and trample the work of the devil throughout history um, and undo, it, you know, First John, that Christ will undo all the works of the devil. Well, that's what we do now. That's our job. That's what the church does is it advances but the spirit, the preaching of the word, and the establishment of worship services, and uh, it, we advance in order to crush the God will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Paul says to the church, "That's what we're celebrating in All Saints Day," and then that leads us back into Advent. Uh, don't just jump past this All Saints Day business because I didn't seen a whole lot of dead stuff that don't look like victory. It looks like a whole bunch of death. 
and <laughs> dead people and skeletons well, and bones. I, I mean, we, and I, we, you got some folks out there talking about Reformation have, time, and I now that I can see like the Reformation. I, they try to say Reformation. I get that because you know it's the time that you know if it's All Hallows Eve and it's All Saints Day, and we're celebrating the time that 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 the the promise of Satan being crushed underneath our feet. I can see that Reformation makes complete sense during that time. Yeah. Well, I think I think Reformation Day is a natural outworking of of All Saints Day. So I don't I don't have any problem saying like we're going to celebrate this particular time in history when the God's people advanced. I think we if we never talk about the importance of martyrdom and the martyrs, I think it it does leave us open and our kids open to some. Um, misunderstandings, but there was a lot of martyrdom in the midst of the Reformation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's a. It, I think it's a natural outworking. Um, it, it, I I would. Uh oh, you broke I, up on me. Say that again. We just broaden our Reformation Day celebration to. In, oh, if we just broaden our Reformation Day celebrations to include other times God reformed the church, then I think we've just we've got All Saints Day. You know. Um, <laughs> we, but that's, um, I, I mean, I think, you know, start where you are and, and get good at it and the next generation will take it further. So, so we should be celebrating Halloween. Say it again. Um, you have the freedom to, I mean, if you have the freedom to celebrate Halloween. I, I think we have walked away from it. And so a lot of, a lot of bad practices have been added to Halloween. The way that them, right. So, but we, we, we basically fumbled the ball or we handed the ball off to the other team and, freedom i think to celebrate it to, to restore it to to reform it you know to try at, or we can say eh, i don't want to try okay so like, so um, i i think that's i think we should try but well, there's um it seems to me that if the planet the beings the rulers of um our our rulers, our, the, the, our angels, the discipling ones to us, right? The ones discipling us in God's way have taught us about these seasons and these holidays and um, these traditions, even from the Old Testament, right? The law, um, the calendar, to look at these and then to not see what they were teaching and discipling us to do, seeing what it would be— um, to disregard your teachers. And one of the things that you don't want to do, it would be a breaking of the fifth commandment to me is to not honor your father and mother, right? Well, that's not just the fifth commandment. Isn't there just for your bodily father and mother. It's for authority figures and authority period. And so inside yeah. of your father and mother is the very authority of all mankind in every aspect you know, and so whether it's police, whether it's your sheriff, whether it's your governor, all that is rooted in the fifth commandment. It seems like you can root not being discipled properly to look at these things and then to take on the right sort of posture towards them in celebration um, or to reject them all out would seem like uh, 
in, a, in one sense, like a disregard for what God has revealed to you. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be for sure. We, I mean, it, so it's the fifth commandment is all rightly established authorities, you know, ought to be honored. Right. And it'll go well with you. Right. So there are wrong, there are fully established authorities. There are is such thing as usurpers and, and all of that. So, um, but uh, they're also, you know, you have um, the story of the golden, the brass serpent on the pole, yeah. the bronze serpent on the pole. You have that story where Moses establishes it and he sets it up and it, and the, the Hebrew word is the same word that we get for dragon. It's really a dragon. It's a fiery dragon on a pole. Um, but they set it up. And then anybody who gets bitten uh, looks at it and they're healed. Later on, people start worshiping. Mm. Instead of looking through it, they try and turn it into a sacramental object. And he says, remember that bronze serpent that some people misused and tried to turn into a sacramental object when really it was a symbolic object? That still was pointing to me. Right. So he's restoring it to its proper place that it was pointing to him but that doesn't mean that the people that turned it into idolatry were right they were still wrong and that king was still right for cutting it down and so so i think there's always that that as memorials go um that when they get misused god's people have said i'm gonna stop using the memorial at all the ones that have the heart of the matter were the ones that stopped using the memorial when it started getting misused, right? The ones that had the heart of the matter of the memorial were the ones that cut it down. Um, but right. that doesn't mean that the memorials be restored to their proper place. And that's always what it is, is what does it look like to restore it to its proper place? Um, and we're going to be clumsy at it for a while, right? I mean, that that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, I know people that have said, I wasn't, you know, we, we grew up, we weren't allowed to have a Christmas tree because trees are pagan, right? Well, trees were created by God, right? So now were there pagans that worshiped trees and misused the tree? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, bringing a tree into your house, um, but, but bringing a tree into your house and decorating it uh, with lights because Christ is the light of the world is not pagan. That that's not a that's not a pagan action. They didn't do they didn't do that. They didn't honor Jesus by decorating with trees, um, and that's what. So, um, but we might be clumsy at it. You know, we we might it might take a while to figure out what it looks like. Uh, but you know, the quicker you get started on the restoration, the quicker you get there. <laughs> but you don't have to, right? If if your if your conscience bothers you, you don't have to. Um. Here, um, I, I want to end with this, Jason. Going into because our internet's acting funky, I don't know if how much some of this is gonna make it through, but going into the new year, what, what, how, how do we take this and use it so that it makes us better Christians, um, and rightly, you know, rightly used to help structure because all of a sudden, whatever the case is, whatever the case is, however I'm landing on this, I'm realizing that the calendar has been one of the secular things in my life that I have not brought yeah. the bearing of the gospel to 
I have not brought the realities of the cross to. I have not brought that the whole celestial, uh, the, the, the planets, all that is pointing to Christ. All of it is discipling us to Christ. Even the calendar, every day on it, right? <laughs> like that is, it's telling us something and it, we sh- it's communicating to us the realities of, of the resurrection and the beauty of the new creation in Christ. And so, but I've taken and allowed this to have its own secular or mechanical use instead of a symphonic use in my life. And so that's one of the things that I'm like, okay, now I'm getting this, which starts to make days of the week and Sabbath days and even birthdays have a different point direction right so it in and seeing this as um seeing the planets and the calendar as a schoolmaster right um right and so what what is it what is how do we start taking all of this now and using it to bring um much glory to christ in this next year with you know, I, you know, I know this somehow is connected to Gnosticism. I know it's connected to cosmology. I know because we're dealing with planets, we're dealing with time, we're dealing with space. Right. All of a sudden, I, somehow, all of this has to come together and make us um, more human. How does it do that? Well, if you remember what Gnosticism is, it tells us that we are saved by new ideas from history. Right? That it's a it dislo- it's trying to dislodge us from history rather than moving towards history and saying Christ as the Lord of history is he, he is moving us into history with hope. And so it's a, um, it, the, the point of it should be that uh, because of the, the time that we spent celebrating the life of Christ throughout the year, that we have more hope. Um, than before, right? that we're celebrating Christ as the Lord of history, which means there's hope for history within history. There's hope, you know, it's a, it's an eschatological, it, it, it builds an eschatology um, in our gut, mm. right? That, that's what, that's what we're after is that gut level uh, hope that, um, th- that says, okay, Lord, what are we doing here? Why'd you put me here? What's the, what is, what resurrection power are you going to bring to bear through me here? That's going to benefit my city, my kids, my, my nation and the next generation. And so that gut level hope is built into us through the cycles of the calendar over time, right? You, um, you get, uh, you get joy to the world um, <laughs> you get that joy to the world that says, um, as far as the curse is found, God is going to bring his grace. So you start looking for, um, e- even the curse starts to be, become look, a symbol of the opportunity mm. that is, um, for the overshadowing of the there gospel. in our lives. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. For the, for the gospel. So, so it, that's, um, and so, you know, aim, aiming our celebrations at that, you know, um, scripture readings, you know, Advent readings, you know, we, we have, we have an Advent calendar, um, with, with, uh, scripture readings rolled up and put into each one with chocolates. So every morning we give them an Advent, Advent, here's our Advent scripture for the day and everybody gets a chocolate. Uh, so it's not a big deal. It's not a huge 
thing. Um, but it is, uh, but it's something my kids look forward to. We also have Advent traditions, um, and that I've got to go pick some of these things up because they're coming up. But we have, uh, we we did wind up. We've done wind up car races uh, for years. Everybody, where so now we've got a you know big box full of wind up cars, and we do races. And we we have um, you know hot cocoa. Uh, we have, uh, all, we, we just got our tree. We have a fake tree. Shh. No bonfire. Uh, this year. Our Christmas tree, but she was, um, but so we, um, but we just upgraded this year to a big, so, um, to a, uh, a like a nine foot, um, fake tree for the library. And so we're setting that up this weekend. So we've got our traditions, um, that the kids, all have looked forward to and uh, with the idea being that they take the best ones with them and um, to their, to their families and then establish some new ones and hopefully are marrying into families that have their own Advent traditions and they can combine and get more and more glorious as time goes on. So um, it's always about what does it look like to, to, uh, to lean towards hope um, when, when dealing with the calendar, what does it look like to lean towards hope, to remind our, to put memorials up of what God has done in the past so that going into the future, we can expect God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever to, to act the way he has in saving us in the past. And it changes the way we start to see our neighbors. I mean, there's a, the Christmas spirit quote unquote, um, is a, that's the effect that, generation upon generation being reminded every year that Jesus, that God became a man to save us, uh, that it has, we start to look around and see people different, uh, be, and even non-Christians can't help it, right? They, they, they end up, um, you know, when they celebrate Christmas over and over, they end up seeing people different during that time of the year, right? So that you get this Christmas spirit that builds up. That's not a bad thing. That's something that we should say, yep, we did that, right? God's people did that to the world. Well, imagine for um, a second that if you view the calendar and took it as seriously as you do one part of the calendar, of around the whole calendar, but how contagious that is to the rest of the the people around you as well. And I, right. I don't think we should take it for granted that I, don't, I think the calendar is an inescapable discipler. You're not going to get away from it either. It's going, it's going to build you in one way or another. It's going to build you to be more Christian or it's yep. going to build you to be more secular civic, right? So the, the, the fight for the calendar should be something we should wrangle with and take very seriously and say, wait a second, we are Christians and we know that all of history is pointing towards one direction. We want to get a part of that calendar and we want to point if every moment we can at the gospel of Jesus Christ through our celebrations. And so, right. Um, and that is, and I, and one of the, you know, we talked about, Hey, how do we, this is, we haven't talked about Gnosticism in a little bit, but one of the ways that we destroy Gnosticism is through fellowship is through celebration, <laughs> right, right? right? is through the actual tangible touching of loving and caring and proclaiming the gospel to each other. Right. Um, and so there is nothing, I think one of the things you wrote to me is like, there is nothing um, more anti-Gnostic than the Christian calendar. Right. Like right. Right. Yeah. you, you, it's it, in and of itself, it 
just defeats Gnosticism, you know? It does. It's imagine, and it, because it, it defeats it at that imagination forming level. Gnosticism quits making sense. It, it quits it, you, uh, the, the longer you celebrate the calendar, right? You celebrate the incarnation every year and it, it's the and Gnosticism ceases to make sense. And that, and that's what we want is the, the beauty of truth to be so formative in our lives, in our churches lives in our families' lives that, that, uh, th- that our gut level response is formed towards righteousness, mm. right? That's what we're after. Oh man, you just hit something else, which is, uh, and I'll end right here. If the calendar is secular and it's moving you, then it's also controlling your sec your uh, moral imagination and, and your cosmology, right? Like it's telling you something else about the world rather than what the planets were originally as a, as a schoolmaster were designed to tell you. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, mm. that, that it's when you only have a civic calendar, you start to think of your citizenship as the fundamental thing about you. Yeah. So when you think the most fundamental thing about you is your citizenship, you end up with only a civic calendar. And when you only have a civic calendar, you end up thinking that the most fundamental thing about you is your citizenship. Right. And, and that's been happening that's what's going on. The church is, is there right now. So then um, the, the question becomes, well, where are we, where is our citizenship supposed to be wrapped up? And it's supposed to be wrapped up in our baptism and our baptism is the thing that gives us our fundamental um, point of reference for who we truly are. Cause that's where God says, here's your name. Here's who you are. You are mine. You are, a part, you are adopted into my family. You, our baptism is the fundamental marker where God's word is individually spoken over us. Mm. And everything is made of the word of God, right? The word of God is the defining thing that gives things a reality. In our baptism, God says, here's your name and here's my name on you. That's our fundamental identity because it's God speaking individually over us. Um, in the sacramental act by the Holy Spirit, so the that um, w- when we move away from that, we uh, and don't have a calendar that reflects our fundamental reality, then we're saying that our fundamental reality is non-historical. Mm. Right? But that's not true. That's Gnosticism, right? Our fundamental reality ac- actually moves us into history. We're baptized back into history when um, we've been dislodged from it by sin. So we should expect that baptism, the, the, the baptizing of a people affects their calendar, affects the, the way that they live and exist in history in the world. Um, and, and it always has throughout history, and it will continue to going forward. We just live in a particularly Gnostic time when we receive our citizenship at birth, but we don't receive our identity from God at birth. We have to wait around until we pick it in most of the American church, um, Baptist and Presbyterian and uh, you know, everyone is, you, they're waiting around for this kid to grow up enough that he can rationally decide what his religion will be. Well, that is saying that my fundamental identity is um, 
is citizenship. That's all that's left. Well, now our citizenship is also melting down around us. I think it leaves us open to Christian nationalism, which says we can restore your citizenship to its proper place as your fundamental reality. But what we need is to, by faith, look at what God says about us in our baptism and say, that's God's word over me, right? That's God's word telling me who I am fundamentally, same way he created out of his word. He's recreated us into who he intended us to be by his word. And that word was declared over us individually at baptism. So um, that is going to have an effect on our calendar. Uh, and um, it's just a matter of us saying, all right, Lord, it's together, or he's going to work against us and it will end up affecting our calendar anyway. <laughs> Because he's usually more intent on our sanctification than we are. So. <laughs> usually. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. All right. So part two, calendar part two next time then? Calendar part two, is it, yeah.